0: Hey, we're back reading. How dare the sun rise? This is London Ear with our fellow readers Yip Sarah Yvette and your host Chanel. About the end of the book, and just as a recap, at the end of the book, Sandra is talking about how she uses her experience as a point of activism. She's trying to get justice for what happened in the massacre, and she's also trying to prevent this so that nobody else has to experience this. She also in the end of the book, had a kind of a breakdown because she kept having flashbacks of the massacre, which interfered with her daily life. And when she got out of it, her family was much more open to each other in terms of feelings because they realized that keeping in your feelings, which is one of their cultural norms, led to people feeling very isolated. So now we're at that point Yeah, and then Yvette, you
1: want to go ahead and introduce our first discussion topic for today.
2: Okay, our first question is, how much can media distort reality? Okay, I think it distorts reality too much. Because, you know, in the beginning of the book, they were talking about how in Africa, um, Americans or they were framed in a way where everyone seems rich everyone was so pretty i'm not saying that americans aren't pretty <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying it's not what they expected but in, in our media portrays africa very differently than it really as is. well yeah like in america everyone thinks that people in Africa are are all suffering and that they're all impoverished
1: which is not true at all actually really when you really go like you know like when you know what it is and that's it's always like media that comes into play with these type of like things and expressing or showing the way to people to the public it's like when it comes to America like Yvette said it's like there's, like, such thing called, like, you know, like, the American dream, and everyone is, like, filthy rich and wealthy and everything, so many people, not only in the continent of Africa, but in, like, any, like, foreign countries, when they perceive or think about America, they automatically think, like, you know, once you step into the grounds of America, you automatically become some rich business person, and you own, like, two houses and, like, a car and everything, which is not true at all, and it's, like, how um, inaccurately media pro. pro portrays um America and then the same thing as Yvette said when you look at the news for how Americans portray Africa it's way way different than it really is of course I'm not saying that um, Africa is like you know not going through struggles and has its own like you know continental and country problems but it's not how um It's not the only thing that should be represented when we talk about Africa, because there's many countries that have very rich history. Um, I can bring up also, uh, there's two countries in Africa, but more widely known Ethiopia is like one of the countries in the world that have never been colonialized by uh, European countries. And there's a lot of natural resources in the country. It's just... It's a lot of like governmental, um, you know, policies that make the country, the continent, like, you know, under a lot of troubles and we can, I guess, so-called like, you know, poverty. But in previous history, you could also talk about how some African countries actually donated and gave food back to like the UK. There was a time that Ethiopia, for example, because that's just the history that I know mostly, um, they actually sent back food to um England and Great Britain like you know back in history like hundreds of years ago but the media doesn't want to show you that the media wants to show you Africa like where the kids are skinny and dying of thirst and dying of hunger so I I could just go ahead
2: so why do you think they do that because they don't because it's like it's a whole thing
1: well if we go into that it's like a big other like because it's like a whole white power and or American power over any other country's power. It's not only Africa specifically, but when we talk about Africa based on, you know, the skin color of the people, let alone like, you know, all the other factors, they don't want America specifically, I'm sure other countries as well, but America for sure does not want any other country, especially an underdeveloped, still developing country to get, you know, for other people to know the true facts and history about that country or that continent. And a lot of times, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's okay to show The reality of what some people are going through because there are I can say like 100% people that are you know going through hunger, there's people dying of thirst, there's people living in poverty, but they don't want to show you the other
2: side of the, you know. Because over in Africa um, we say that they're um, still developing but to them it's normal. So are we just comparing them to our standards?
1: I think, I mean, you've, I mean, Chanel, you could also put your input in this. But before that, I just want to say when we talk about like developing and developed countries, OK, in other countries' perception and in America's perception, America is a developed country, right? We think because, you know, it's a democratic country, like where there's peace, everybody abides by the law for the most part, you know, all of this. Mm, but in America, for the most part, exactly, because that's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't really think there is such thing as a country that is like, you know, completely, uh, Has democracy in the country because even here it's really not true that everybody by the the law and the law treats everybody fairly we've seen that in the previous month that that does not like actually happen most of sometimes so in Africa when we talk about like developing countries each I think a lot the problem with America, or many people in America, is that they perceive Africa as one big country. We have to realize yeah. that Africa is one of the biggest and richest, but naturally, countries, I mean, continents in the world, with over like, I mean 50 53 different countries in
2: Africa. So, like, mentioning that Africa is a country, do, do you remember those ads, you know, those ads where they're like, oh, one penny a day can save a kid in Africa? Yeah, even
0: even posters, like, the effect of this is that it's not, well, sometimes it's not that people don't care, it's that they don't know, because sometimes when there's so much media saying like this, like, everybody in Africa is poor and impoverished, when it's like that, it's so much harder for people to find what is actually there. They have to search for it, dig for it, it won't just tell you on a poster like hey in Africa everything like people are really happy it's just like us so and there are all these campaigns that say you know we're going over there and we're going to help them become so much better and I'm not saying that that's bad that they're trying to help but I'm saying that all of these make it seem like they need it so bad yeah exactly and then actually when
1: we come to like the real history, like it, like when, you, when colonialism was like a big thing and European countries were invading Africa, they went as saying like missionaries, they went as religious people, they went as, oh, like we just want to, um, you know, like come and like see your land and like, you know, that's and that's where everything started. Once they came into the continent or the, once they came into the continent and entered different countries, that's where I think the problem, not really the problem started, but that's when the whole portrayal of Africa and everything started. Because they didn't, like, even now, there's specific countries in Africa, like, I think the Congo, actually, in the book about how they're the sunrise, where she's from, um, it's, like, one of the places where cobalt, and there's, like, another type of natural resource, and that's the only country in the world that can, that has that natural resource, and there's, like, just different historical backgrounds of each country, but they, like, um, they don't really show you that and like you said advertisement has like a big effect on it because they are always making it seem you know like and they record those things or those ads or they take pictures in literally like the outskirts like the deserts and stuff and just to make it seem as if that's what the whole continent looks like but when that's that's actually like completely false because a lot of the countries in africa actually are very very rich in like greenness it's a very nice climate the temperatures are great the resources like you know there's like a lot of resources so I think it's just I don't know it's like they don't want the people to have a different portrayal of um, or a different idea of Africa than just a poor country I, that will always need outside help.
2: I also think it's because um, people like they don't pay attention to their history because mm-hmm. you know um, do you know what's happening to Gal Gadot right now? Mm-mm. So people she um she announced on Twitter that she was playing she was going to play um Cleopatra and people were getting upset cuz I guess they figured that since Egypt is in Africa, oh Cleopatra must be black.
1: Yes, but when we also look at Egypt specifically and um
2: when we like i
1: don't want to connect this to any like religious or anything but egypt today the people that we see as egyptians today their skin color they look more middle eastern right but yeah, in history, history. The previously they never were like when the pyramids you know egypt is known for their pyramids right and the pyramids being built it was african like africans obviously they're african themselves but the egyptian people were never like this um, like middle eastern looking they were of course there's like even me myself i don't look like the regular what like a person would but at the same time we have to realize that's what i'm saying like it's a very diverse um, continent with different cultures colors languages you know everything so like when we talk like just specifically in previous history like hundreds of years ago they were never the shade of color that they are today but when we think about it through time there's like you know with different countries when their relationship with other countries like you know grows there could be like you know kids whatever like that type of thing between countries
2: wait so Um, the thing was Oh, the big thing was that um, people are not listening to their history or they're not paying attention. Because if, if we literally learned this in history class, that Cleopatra wasn't African. She she was Greek ascent. So Gr- Greece, not Greek. So <laughs> people People are outraged about a thing that they're not even well-versed in. So, yeah, and that's the – yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, you can go. No, I was just gonna say, and I think that's like a problem with like anything, with everything almost actually. It's like they just I don't know, it's it's like there's always two sides of the story, you know how we say it? like there's always two sides of the story, there's always two sides of every history. I think Chanel, you wanna add on something to it?
0: Yeah, I think because media is media is always filtered. Yeah. It's like it's not like it happens, it's not like someone's gonna film what they do every single second of their life or what is happening in a country every single second and sandra experienced both sides of this because when she was in her school people there was a student who asked her did you wear shoes in africa Mm -hmm. she got really sad and upset about that and i couldn't understand because it's i think just insulting to her because they did she did enjoy her life in africa before all the violence and yeah
1: yeah, and And, uh, when you talk about that specifically i just want to say like how you said that people don't think that people that live in africa actually want to stay in africa and let me tell you even from personal experiences the only the main not the only but the main reason that people would ever leave their home country and home continent of africa is just if things like this occur, and this is the problem i believe most of the problems that are happening specifically right now there's like a whole bunch of african countries like nigeria with police brutality going on right now there is like many different government um, corruption yes corruption and everything going on right now where they're aiming at the you know the civilian people so this is The main cause, I believe personally, that people leave their country, their home country and come here. It's not because, like she said, she loved living where she lived. She didn't hate her life there until all of this mess occurred. Yeah.
0: So with all of this media portrayal, one thing that Sandra said was true when she was growing up was that their culture believed that women didn't really need education that much or Mm -hmm. not as much as men. And throughout the book, she talked about how her parents were different and that they believed that she should get a good education. So how important was this upbringing and the way
1: to shape her activism now? This is an actually really interesting and like great question because it really did. I Like when we look at her now, she is an activist, specifically like feminism and people that go through these type of massacres and genocides. Um, so when we think about her Upbringing, like you said, her parents, and specifically even more of her father, actually, which is not common, where from where she came from, her father was actually very um, supportive and push. Like they, re- he really pushed his daughters specifically to actually get an education, go to school, become better and independent on themselves, which in most um, countries, not only in Africa, but most like. I think I'm pretty sure in Asian countries, Latin American countries, but specifically in African countries we can talk about that. Um, the men think they have some like superior power over the women and they think that the um women don't have to go to school or they don't you know, they should just stay at home, be a like a home wife basically or a home Well,
2: mom. um that's most countries. People um like it's still it's still here in America. Like there's still place places in America that the men think, oh, women should stay at home and take care of the kids, you know, because it's such an old mentality to think about, because we've been thinking about that for millennia, and when
1: we come to her specifically, like I said, her father was actually basically the complete opposite of that, including her mother as well, but it was very... Like, different to hear it from her father because, like, the fathers are not really the ones that, like, you know, push their daughters to go to school and get an education. So, I think if it wasn't for her, like, first of all, when she came here, they her parents actually tried to connect her as much as they could to people that could put her into that private catholic school i believe and then get a scholarship into college and all of these things her parents you know they tried as much as they can to connect her to different people through church and then Sandra herself through school and other people that she met as well so i think they were very supportive in the way that their her, Sandra's upbringing and the way that they raised Sandra and the other her other siblings as well Really um, shaped the way that she lives today or that her career today, because if it wasn't for her parents, the way that her parents raised her, I don't think that she would have the courage and the confidence and the understanding that she has today in order to become an activist like she is.
0: On 226, she was talking about how she received criticism about her activism and talking about this, especially since she was a woman, she received a lot of criticism from men. Oh, as
2: well as she was very young.
0: Yeah. And and it's not only the way that her parents raised her, but also how they supported her, because at that point, her dad told her of these criticisms that he's heard, and he said, Don't worry about them. Don't worry about what they're saying. Just say what you think is right. And I think that was really important in her confidence because we can see that at the beginning of the book, even that, you know, women were incredibly strong. They just needed the tools to have that, Mm -hmm. have that motivation to do that because her mom talked about how Sandra was saying in the beginning of the book hey these kids are bullying me because I'm they're saying I'm Rwandan but I'm not and her mother said that you know do you have to carry a baby on your back while chopping down a tree Mm -hmm. and that moment I was like they're so strong you know and I think well my personal opinion is that you know women should have an education they make
1: up half of the world yes yeah and then actually from another class um it's another class that i'm taking up you know from yeah. apd geography we were talking about how most of the countries that are developed countries have a like the highest or higher woman population that are educated and have jobs because once the, a person becomes educated they have a higher chance of getting a better job a more professional job so we can really see the impact that uh, education on women and the support and the motivation that women should be able to go to school and have jobs other than staying at home. Even that in itself, though, like you said, Chanel is a big responsibility and shows how powerful and strong they are because we st- it's like just because they stay at home and don't have like a job outside of the house does not mean that that job is easy or easier than the men's. Like,
2: oh wait, going back to um, the discussion question, I believe if Sandra's parents never made her education very important, I feel like she wouldn't be an activi- activist. Because, you know, there's a bunch of other people who went through what she went through, and maybe even worse. But they never, they never had the courage to step up. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I think if she never had her education, she wouldn't even think about being an activist activist
0: yeah I think so too because there are so many events so many people who go through such hardship like she went through but and I'm not saying that you know it docks them down or anything that they're not an activist but I'm saying that upbringing really shapes what you do with things and the way that all her life she was raised you just keep trucking along trying her best and to really get make sure her foundation of education is good really did shape how she
1: is today
2: you know what i think it is i think it's because education it gives you like a voice it makes you think oh what i if i do something it's important because to those who didn't have an education they don't know what else to do they just sit in the sidelines yeah, hoping
0: it
1: will not happen again. Yeah. Why do we think Sandra and her sisters want, wanted to go back and visit the refugee camp after all the horrible memories they have there?
2: They wanted to see how their people are doing because they feel like they left their people behind.
1: I also um, agree with you as well because when we really think about it, Although they did, they they came here and they know that they had a greater opportunity here. They went to school here and everything. So um, they came here and they had a greater opportunity than their people there at the refugee camp. So it was like if they know that they're going there, so them not going and visiting their own people, like Yvette said, and seeing how they're doing and maybe trying to provide a type of comfort or hope for their people is Like somewhat guilty or makes them selfish of themselves and we could see that their mom didn't really understand why they would want to go and visit the camp because what she sees is her uh, youngest daughter you know getting killed there she sees um you know like all the thoughts that come to her are all of her relatives and family basically even though they're not related by by blood you know like getting killed and uh, in harm I guess since they're younger, too, you know, they have like a stronger maybe like ability to handle these type of things. Um, So I think that's the main reason they wanted to go. And then once they did go, she was like, although it did make her, you know, very emotional and like she had a breakdown and everything. it still, I think, bettered her for the I mean, improved her for the better, because now she really got like an idea of what it's like to be on the other side of the spectrum, necessarily not being, like, the person in the refugee camp, but being the person seeing how people live in the refugee camp.
2: She also, she felt obligated to go um, to the refugee camp camp because um, she said that some of them started reaching out to her on Facebook, seeing if she could help them, because mm-hmm. um, they thought she had, a, she was important, but she barely was known but she tried to do her best
1: um she when once they arrived at the refugee camp with her sister she found a young girl that was a little bit older than she was when she was at the refugee camp and when she asked her like what do you want to be when you grow up like what do you dream of becoming oh. the girl was really confused about answering like she didn't know what to say like she didn't have she an answer couldn't think of something outside yeah. of the camp Yeah, exactly, and then um, she was, like, even when she did, she said, oh, I want to be a nurse and help the children at the camp, and Sandra was really, like, almost kind of felt bad for her because the girl couldn't think about anything else other than staying in that camp, you know? So I think it was just a good way that they went there because they, Sandra going there, she probably could have influenced or motivated a lot of the kids there, you know, to dream, and that they could get out of that situation if they really tried and wanted
2: to.
0: Yeah, I think her their want of just connecting and helping others was greater than their fear of their past because they went through a lot of them went through the same thing and she just wanted to connect with them because she knew that she had an opportunity but some people didn't have that opportunity to move to america
2: isn't like the big reason she got she was able to move to america is because her um camp was under a massacre i mean that yeah because not really like why she
1: was able to come to Britain. i mean yeah basically yes because unless that massacre happened she probably the, the u.n i think she came through the u.n right so like yeah, the she, u.n probably wouldn't offer that opportunity to people there if it wasn't like such a bad situation how did it help sandra to talk about her trauma with herself and her family
2: it helped her a lot because, you know, she was having nightmares. She couldn't sleep. She was breaking down. She literally left college. And then she distanced herself from her family. The trauma was taking over her life. She couldn't figure out a way to just live. Yeah,
0: I think growing up, family was just a very important thing to her. And distancing herself put a hole kind of in her life that was just a constant source of stress in addition to the flashbacks that she had of the massacre. So I think just opening up to her family and finally just pouring all her emotions out that have been built up was really a good thing for her and for her family because now they know that keeping things to yourself is not necessarily just the only way to go.
1: Yeah and I definitely agree with that and it probably wasn't only like a a help for Sandra herself but like you said Chanel it was also helpful towards her parents and her siblings as well because up to this point most of them almost all of them um they didn't really feel comfortable or they didn't feel the need to talk about their feelings yeah. how they felt what they because, went through um,
2: yeah because but in yeah. her culture she said that um it's not they don't really talk about their families. yeah
1: so um basically like once they did start like you know talking about it and not even like like it says like the question itself says herself and her family so even being open and uh what is it called it's like being open and aware that she did go through stuff that was harmful that was hurtful that you know made her go through a lot of trauma and nightmares as you guys stated just accepting the fact that that is what occurred and that's what she went through with herself like talking to herself about like this is what happened this is where you are now like this is how you should move on with your life you know type of thing so i feel like her close family members around her are the only ones that really understand what she went, what they went through, if it's not like she could just go and talk to one of her American friends at school, you know, like about the situation, and it's, they wouldn't understand it. So I think it's very, very, very important for her to uh, talk about, I mean, talk about anything and her trauma and all of the situations and feelings that she's going through um, with her family, because they're the ones that can provide support for her comfort, um, guidance. You know.
2: Yeah, And I, yeah. I liked how um, after she um, opened up to her family, that her family started talking about their feelings as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think from the beginning to the end of the book, we just see such a a growth from all of them. Yeah, yeah. So, from all of the hardships they went through together, and they went through periods just like anybody. They went through periods of just ups and downs with each other, and then in the end, you can see how much they grew and how they grew closer. Yeah and opened up with each other instead of keeping it in. So with that being said, with us being at the end of the book, what was your favorite either quote or event or just a little something that you took away from the book that you really enjoyed or will remember?
1: Yeah. So in general, I just want to say that this book was like like interesting from the beginning, like from the first few chapters up to the last page. Um, So it's really hard to say like one part like or one saying or anything that was my favorite but in general I would just say the biggest thing or lesson maybe that I took away from the book like in overall is probably that no matter what type of Background you have, no matter where you come from, no matter what age you are, what race you are, what gender you are, where you came from, what language you speak, and what things you've been through, such as war, as she has in her family, that there's always a chance that you could better your life and improve your life for, um, you know, as long as you try. And that Family and friends are the ones that are where family is always going to be the ones that are next to you because, you know, they're the ones that won't change and they'll always be with you. So I think it's just never give up or feel defeated by situations that occurred in your past life and just use that actually as like a motivation to move on and to become stronger. Um, Yeah, I think that's like the main takeaway that I have from the book. But yeah, that's what I could say so far. I mean, right now.
2: Um, I, I really like this book, and I'm not usually one to read, like, memoirs, because I, I don't really find memoirs too interesting. I usually read, like, mystery stuff, but this book, like, it, it caught me from the beginning, and it's such a tragic, but, like, inspirational book, you know, like, there's so many parts that like sunk deep in my heart. Like when you, when she says the title in the book, How Dare the Sun yeah. Rise, as if it was any other day after mm-hmm. such a gruesome night. That's yeah. ox. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I just want to say, like, I definitely agree with you. I almost forgot about that. That's like probably another yeah. thing that I really like hit just like that's probably the reason that I chose this book like one of my top reasons for choosing this book was I looked at the title and I was like well like it's obviously gonna be like how come or how dare something good or
2: ordinary happen after something such a bad thing occurred um I didn't even really read into the title like that it was just we got to read like the first page and I like she said that her sister died and I'm like okay gotta know now
1: um
2: (laughs) but like this book really there's so many messages that you um, that you could follow or what she has done to help her community or how, what people have done to help her. It's so in- inspirational.
0: I think one of my biggest takeaways from reading this book is that your past doesn't define you. Your past mistakes don't define you. Can you and you can always rise up to do what you what you want to do and also that you don't have to figure it out all right away I mean life is kind of life is a learning experience and we definitely saw this in the book even though they they were already strong in the in the beginning of the book I remember one of my most favorite parts of the book is when her mom said Sandra do you have to cut down a tree with a baby on your back And yeah I was like they're they were so strong and then to see them just connect and grow together it was just a really amazing book to read oh yeah and thank you guys for all the discussions thank you for tuning in to london here thank you for tuning in